just like the pre-stare with music on. The pre-stare with music. That's what I'm doing. That's what it is. You need to play some. Give us a sample for your album. <laughs> is it stuff you wrote? Well, good morning and welcome to worship. We're so glad you're here. Let's stand up. It's a happy day. I wore my happy day shirt. <laughs> so let's, uh, it's a happy day. Come on. Here we go. Second verse, here we go. 
Hey, it isn't an incredible day to have your life changed for eternity, forever to be saved. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. And so uh, there's nothing better than uh, your life changed for eternity. Well, welcome this morning to First Baptist Church. We're glad that you're here with us, worshiping with us this morning, uh, and can make it out for an incredible day of of not only worship, but of celebration as we celebrate uh, being debt-free and so we're excited about that and, and uh, to hear about that this morning. If you're a guest with us, you'll see in the pew rack there in front of you is one of these little white guest registration cards. And if you'll take just a moment for us to fill that out and at the conclusion of the service, as you're exiting the doors, you can head down uh, to your left to the welcome desk and our lead pastor, Dr. Cox, will be there and, and uh, he'd love to be able to talk to you. Uh, he's got a small gift for all first-time guests and and uh, you can turn in your card there. You can turn it in a box if you'd uh, prefer to do that. Um, that takes place there at the welcome desk. And so they can direct you. They can point you uh, to a connection group. We'd love to have you stay another hour and join us uh, during our connection group hour as well. This morning as we continue to worship, I'm going to just pray for us. And I'm going to ask God just to open our hearts, prepare our minds uh, to hear from his word. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are a glorious name to be proclaimed. The name above all names, the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for salvation. And it is a a happy day to know that we have life in you, that we're changed forever. Father, we say thank you for sending your son to die on the cross 
for us so that we can have new life in you. Lord, be with us today as we hear your word. Be with us as we look back, as we think about all you've accomplished uh, through this church. And we thank you for being a part of, of uh, uh, changing people's lives for eternity here in this community and around the, around the world. Father, be with us as we worship. May our worship this morning be pleasing to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Could you stand with us and let's sing together.
the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I am free. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I am free. Amen. Just the vocals. Where the Spirit of the Please be seated. Good morning, folks. It's good to see you. Glad you're here today. This is a special day in the life of our church. We're celebrating a milestone today. If you're a guest with us, this is a little different than what we normally do, but it's a historic day in the life of our church. We're celebrating the end of a 22-year-long process of building and paying off debt. And so today, we're going to share with you a little of our history we're going to thank some people who have been involved. We're going to celebrate together. And most of all, we're going to give glory to the God who blesses churches and guides us. So uh, this past week, we uh, paid off our debt on our church buildings. We had borrowed a total of $2.4 million, $2.2 million in this past loan. And we paid that off this past week. So we're going to celebrate. want to uh, sort of share with you where we've come. And to begin the story, we have to go back to 1999. And so I've got some slides I'm going to show you. We'll put the first slide up. And uh, this is what the, uh, this is on Hillsborough Boulevard. Our church, uh, our worship center that you're in is in the far right side of that picture. You can barely see any of our church. And these three houses sit where our new buildings are, are right in front of them. Three white houses close to the road on Hillsborough sort of in front of where our bookstore is, in front of where our parlor is. That's where these three houses were. In 1999, our church had begun to grow, and we were landlocked. We had a bank on this side. We had property that uh, was not for sale on this side, and we had no way to grow. And uh, so the, lo the uh, options for us were to relocate, which would be very expensive, would take longer, which I didn't want to do and the church didn't want to do, or to stagnate. We didn't like either of those options. So what did we do? We began to pray. And we began to pray that God uh, would open some doors for us. And I began to prayer walk around the property that you see there. Down this sidewalk, couldn't go all the way around. There's a jungle behind it, but three sides of it I could pray around. And just began to pray. The first house, that first white house to the on far right on your side was sitting vacant but the owner uh, was selling it to a Jiffy Lube. There was going to be a Jiffy Lube right about where our um, elevator and bookstore is now. And um, she wouldn't sell to us. And we began to pray. And uh, God answered our prayers. And she said, she came to us and said, I'm tired of waiting on them. They're not coming through with their contract. I'll sell it to you. 
Immediately when she said she would sell it to us, the other two houses immediately came for sale as well. And they fell like dominoes, and God just opened that door, and we needed $250,000 to buy those three houses and that plot of land. We began a campaign called Growing Together, and uh, people in our church committed to give $250,000. It was the first of seven three-year campaigns that we've done over the last 21 years. For 21 years, people in our church have been giving above their tithes and offerings so that we could uh, uh, grow our church. And so the next slide shows that we uh, uh, sold those houses and uh, moved them on trucks and uh, moved them out. If you were here in 1999, if you were a member of First Baptist Church when we began this process, if you were here in 1999, I want to ask you to just stand and remain standing right now. You folks are the pioneers. 70% of churches in America are plateaued, are declining. One reason they're plateaued or declining is because they're inward focused, they won't take risks, they won't sacrifice. You sacrificed you took risks. You looked outward to our community. God bless you. The rest of us are indebted to you, and we're thankful for you. And aren't you glad all these other people God has brought since 1999? Isn't that great? Thank you. You may be seated. So um, we then bought a house on Summer Street, the fourth. There were four houses we bought and moved. And you go to the next slide, you can see then after we bought that house for $150,000 and moved it, so uh, we secured the site where our current new buildings are. And so one Sunday morning, we outlined it in chalk, and we gathered in a, a square, a circle, around that chalk outline and prayed uh, for what would be there one day. And so this is a, a picture from one of our Sunday morning uh, services where we prayed that God would enable us uh, to build the buildings that we needed to grow. We began a three-year giving campaign in 2002 called Building the Family. David Hurst and Art Mason were chairmen of that, the co-chairs, and our church family gave $820,000 above their tithes and offerings in that three-year period, which enabled us to pay off the property, hire the architect, build up a fund enough so that we could borrow money and complete the process. In 2005, we elected a building committee I want to read the names of those, build, those on the building committee. They served 10 years. You don't think when you serve on a church committee, you're going to have to do it for 10 years. But they did from 2005 to 2015. Some others that I've not listed have come and gone. But I want to share with you the ones who've been there here the whole time. David Hurst was chairman, Cindy Cox, Diane R. Graves, Nan Long, Larry McIntosh, DJ Hall, and Josh Bogle was a student member of that team. And different ones of them will be helping in the note burning in each of the three services. So not all of them will be up here in this service, but over the course of the three, uh, they will. In 2006, then, we did building for tomorrow. We wanted to begin. We just did not have enough money in reserve. Our church was not comfortable. We had, had a delay. So we did building for tomorrow beginning in 2006. Tim Fox and Greg Hunt shared that. 201 families in our church committed to give another $880,000 over those three years. So by 2007, we'll go to the next slide. You know, go back. You're, you're already there. I'm sorry. Go back to that. There you go. Is that the first one? Okay. So there, um, in 2007, we were completely out of space. 
we had a class meeting in a Sunday school class met in my office a Sunday school class met in the worship center a Sunday school class met in a building that one of our church members owned across Hillsborough Boulevard every available space that we could find we had uh, uh, classes meeting and so in 2007 we felt like we were at the point where we had enough money and we could borrow the rest and so we borrowed 2.4 million dollars um, neither People's Bank nor First National Bank could capitalize that loan. And so in what is probably a first for them, they joined together. And I want to thank Elmer Morris, who was president of People's Bank, Klaus Tormelian, who was president of First National Bank. And so they did what they'd never done before. They came together to loan us $2.4 million. And so in 2007, we broke ground and, um, on our building. And to, the, there were two people um, who... Part of that turned the first shovels. This is Dr. Coulter Young, who represented our heritage, who'd been a member of our church since the 1940s, and uh, he turned a shovel of dirt. And then in the other picture, let's go to the other one there. I'm not sure what, back up. I'm sorry, I didn't know what order they were in. And so, one more forward. There we go. And so there is Heather Fox uh, turning a shovel of dirt. Heather Fox was 11 years old, and she represented our future, one of our children. And now in the 11 o'clock service, Heather Fox will help in the note burning. She's Heather Fox Keel. She's 25 years old, has three children, teaches in our First Steps preschool now. One of our theme verses was, we will tell the next generation the marvelous things the Lord has done. And so we're grateful that she uh, is now carrying on that tradition of her children are in our, our church. And so we broke ground in 2007. I have some pictures to show the construction. Go to the next uh, slides right there. So that was the groundwork. We began to build then what is our building C and D, completed on the outside but not completed on the inside. And so we didn't have enough money to do the whole thing. We would do the, the work on the inside as we um, had money. But in the first two phases, in 2007, our, uh, go on to the next slide, we built uh, building C, where our children are, where adults are. Next slide. We built the, the gymnasium parlor all of those things were finished on the outside the only part finished on the inside was our bookstore elevators welcome center uh, and then our gym on next slide uh, this is these are pictures of the construction 2007 through 2008 next slide uh, and then uh, next slide so uh, 2008 we had Building C finished, we had a gym, we had a new covered entrance, we had a welcome center, but all the rest of it was sealed off, and we finished it in phases. So we did five more phases for a total of seven phases, and we did the work largely with volunteer labor. So this is a look at our preschool. This is standing in the four-year-olds looking down to bed babies. That's how it looked when we finished on the outside, still unfinished in all those areas. And so phase four was to do our preschool area. Then, then uh, phase five, this is, now you're looking at D200 classrooms. Uh, if you're on D200 hall, the, all down through there, that's how it looked when we finished. And so volunteers in our church uh, put up stud walls, hang, hung sheetrock, put up flooring, painted, uh, did all of those things. Uh, phase uh, We'll just leave it there. Phase six was a preschool drive through Phase seven was the children, uh, the kitchen. And uh, so throughout those 10 years and seven phases, as money became available, people of our church worked. If you volunteered to help, if you hung sheetrock, if you painted, or if you helped in one of our campaigns, 
you called people on the phone, you helped with brochures, if you helped in volunteering construction, or if you helped do the work of one of our building campaigns, would you stand right now so we could just thank you and recognize you? Thank you so much for your work. Uh, we are so grateful for you. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, couldn't recognize all of those volunteers, but I got to recognize one of them. The project manager for all five of these phases after the initial first two was DJ Hall. We've got a picture of DJ. He's not able to be here today. Yeah. Thank you. DJ was going to help with the note burning in this service. Uh, his uh, wife's mother, Teresa's mother, died this week, and the funeral, I think, is today or it's this weekend. And so they're away in North Carolina, and DJ could not be here. So you thank him when you see him. DJ Hall was a volunteer, received no money. He was the volunteer um, project manager for all of those phases. I, I estimate that by our volunteer labor and by his organization, DJ can pinch a penny. You know, he got the best deal on materials. He was here many nights till 11 o'clock at night. He scheduled all the volunteers. I estimate that we saved over those five phases $750,000 to $800,000 because of his leadership and because of the volunteers. So when you see DJ Hall, you thank him uh, for leading us in those phases. Um, so, in, uh, next slide, we, uh, um, in the process, we moved houses. So, we did our building, and the same time, we needed to add new parking. So, across Summer Street, and then east of our church, we have bought and moved five more houses for a total of nine houses uh, to give us the parking that we needed. Here's another slide of that. These are several of our houses that are being moved, and uh, got one more slide, I think, of that. So then of the parking, then building, this is building the preschool parking lot, all of those parking lots uh, that we have built. Uh, next slide. So here is the, the finished construction. We finished in 2015. So it was 10 years by us doing a lot of the labor by ourselves, seven phases. So during the course of that time, the state of Tennessee building code changed. And we had to get special permission from the legislature to continue under the old codes. And I said, ask them, why, the state, why are we having to get special permission? They said, because you're the only building project continuing in the state of Tennessee under the old codes. You are the longest running building project <laughs> that has ever been, that's what they told it, in the state of Tennessee. And they said, you're the only one left. We gotta have a, a vote of the legislature to, to, that you can finish it under this. And so they did, and we finished the longest running construction project <laughs> in Tennessee in 2000. 15. In the midst of this, go to the next slide. In the, uh, in the midst of this, then in 2013, our loan, uh, five-year loan with First National and People's Bank came due, and we had to refinance. And I want to thank uh, John Bell, city president of First Vision Bank, uh, that we were able to refinance for a much lower rate of interest and did a 10-year loan in 2013. Um, and for 2.2 million so we originally borrowed 2.4 but we paid very little back those first several years because all of our money was going into the completion of construction so um, in by 2013 we still owed 2.2 million so seven and a half years ago we borrowed 2.2 million dollars uh, we paid it off early this is I want to thank Jennifer Bell our financial secretary who's done so great through all this Kathy Helms the financial secretary before her and the person who's not here today is also Doug Hodges, who has served as our treasurer. 
throughout this whole process. Uh, Doug's dad died, and the memorial service will be Tuesday. He's in Indiana for that, and so he could not be here for this service as well. But I want to thank John Bell, Jennifer Bell, and uh, those folks that I mentioned who have served our church uh, so well and have helped us there. So we give, we'll leave with this last slide up. So we, uh, May 31st, we'll finish, finish line. So we're not done yet. Let me encourage you, don't quit giving yet. So now 95% of you, what you've given through finish line has gone for our debt retirement and 5% to completing our new parking over here. So now 100% from this point on, anything you give, finish line, building fund, whatever you put on your envelope in that regard, will go to finish our parking lot. I hope that before uh, fall weather, I hope by end of fall we'll have enough money that we can do that. We're getting bids right now. There'll be sidewalks and, and there'll be a lighting and there'll be, have to be a retention pond. It'll give us about 100 more spaces, parking spaces, which would enable us to have two to 300 more people have parking on our property on Sunday morning, which we, we greatly need. And uh, so don't quit giving yet, if you will. Now, finish line ends May 31st. That's the end of your commitment. If you choose to quit then, then you've done all that you committed to do. I'm going to ask you, if you're willing and you're able, to keep giving. We won't have enough May 31st uh, to finish our parking. I'm going to ask you, if you're willing and you want to, we're not going to do another commitment. We're just going to ask you, would you continue to give until we finish that parking? And I'll tell you when that is, when we have enough money for that. You can give beyond that. There will always be a building fund for future building, but I'll let you know uh, when we've done that. So we just want to encourage you and thank you. We want to give glory to God. I'd like to ask everybody who's given to stand, but that wouldn't be fair to other people, so I'm not going to do that. But I just want to say to you, if you've been a part of any of these giving programs over the last 21 years, seven programs growing together, building the family, building for tomorrow, building people, finish, uh, uh, finish the race, uh, finish line. If you've been a part of any of those, thank you for your giving. You've invested in this church, and to God be the glory, that's the greatest use of your money I believe you could make. So we're going to burn the note that we have. And so I'm going to invite in this service, it'll be different people in different services. So you can come to all three if you want to see it all. Uh, but in this service, I want to ask David Hurst to come and uh, Cindy Cox and Randy Damewood. Randy uh, was not on our building committee, but Randy was one of our deacon officers in 2013 when we took out this loan. So his name is on the notes. I figured he had a vested interest <laughs> in getting rid of this thing. So, first of all, David, would you just lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving? Anything you want to say, and you can lead us in a prayer. Uh, this is a great day. I was sitting there talking to Jeff Chandler when we signed the note with First National Peoples. Jeff and I's name was on it, and yep. I'm really glad that it's gone. Uh, didn't know all the ramifications of that. Uh, I was talking to Dr. Cox. I joined First Baptist in 1983, and uh, starting to feel really old. And to see the way the church has grown and uh, God's faithfulness has been amazing over these last few years. Amen. And I uh, just pray it continues. So let's Amen. pray. Our dear Father, Lord, uh, we do thank you for the privilege of being here this morning and celebrating this milestone in the history of our church. Lord, first, we thank you for your love. We thank you Amen. for your provision. As we look back at these slides, we see your hand in all of this, Lord. Amen. 
Lord, I thank you for those individuals that Dr. Cox mentioned. Lord, I thank you for our staff. Lord, I thank you for that long-range planning committee that met so many years ago that, that had the foresight to, to lay this out. Amen. Lord, I thank you for every person that's been part of this, every person that gave, every person that continues to give, Lord. I, I just thank you for them. I thank you for their faithfulness, Lord, and I pray your blessing on them. Lord, I do pray for this building, for every wedding shower, for every birth shower, for every youth meeting, for every vacation Bible school, family night, for upward basketball, for the preschool area, for every person, every family that will be touched by that building. Lord, I pray that as they enter it, they feel your presence. Amen. And that, Lord, we continue to use this to glorify your name and to show your love to all those around us. Lord, I do thank you for this day. I thank you for your provision. And most of all, we do thank you for your love. And it's in the most holy, precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Randy, we're going to give you these barbecue tongues. And uh, if you will hold the note. And uh, Cindy, you stand in the middle. And uh, David is going to take the shovel. Now, let me tell you about the shovel. David, you stand over here. And uh, so let me tell you about the shovel. This is the shovel that was used in 1982 when the groundbreaking for this building. And this shovel was used in the note burning in 1987. They borrowed $530,000 to build this building uh, and uh, then uh, burnt the note. And so you can see it has the, the scars from 1987 where the note was burned in this shovel. This is the shovel that Dr. Young and Heather used to break the ground in 2007. So here's what's going to happen. We're gonna, Randy's going to hold that until his life's in danger and then let it go in the shovel. <laughs> Cindy's going to light it. We'll let it burn. David catch it in the shovel. Uh, and then David, when it burns up or if it starts to float away or anything, dump it in that pot. Cindy's going to put a lid on the pot. When the lid goes on the pot, we're going to shoot off confetti. There will be a bang, so do not be alarmed by that. And we're going to give glory to God. Are you ready? All right, let's light it. There you go. Y'all are doing great. You're doing great.
Thank you, guys. Amen. Thank you. So to celebrate, we have a zero bar for you. How many of you have never had a zero bar before? This is a special day for you. In the foyer, as you go out, we have plenty for everybody. Everyone who's here is welcome to take a zero bar. Has nuts in it. If you have nut allergies, don't take one. Uh, but a zero is a white chocolate. It's sort of a Snickers, Musketeers covered in white chocolate kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So take a zero because we're at zero. We celebrate that. So now I want to share with you, why do we do this? Why are we excited about this? Why have people given for 21 years? Why do people come up here and work at night for this? It is because we believe in the church. We believe in the church. Now, the church is declining in popularity and respect in America. I want to show you an image on the slides of the cover of Newsweek magazine in April 2012. The April 2012 cover of Newsweek said, Forget the church, follow Jesus. And the article, the cover article went on to tell all the things that were wrong with the church all the scandals, all the bureaucracy, all the politics. And so their advice was, forget the church, follow Jesus. I want to tell you today why we can't forget the church and follow Jesus. Um, even this week, a Gallup poll came out and said for the first time, probably in America's history, certainly for the first time in the 80 years that they have been doing polling, Less than half of Americans claim church membership. First time ever, probably. 47% of Americans claim a membership in a church now. And that's the first time it's ever been less than a majority of citizens of the United States. And that's understandable. It used to be that being a church member was advantageous to you. You'd put it on your resume. It helped you. Then we've come to the point now where it's neutral. It probably doesn't help you, probably doesn't hurt you to be a member of a church now in, in our culture. We're moving to the place where it'll be a real commitment because it'll be a negative. And already in some parts, maybe that, that is true. So those folks who are not serious about church are not going to be a part of it. But why do we believe in the church? I want to share with you from the book of Ephesians for a few moments this morning. Because Ephesians talks about the role of the church in God's plan. And I want to begin by sharing with you what I think is the key verse in the book of Ephesians. It's Ephesians 3, 9 through 10. Let me read it to you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. And to make plain to everyone, here's the purpose of, the, of God's purpose in, in this book, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages was kept hidden in God who created all things. So what's God's plan? He said God has a plan of redemption, and he had kept that plan hidden for ages. And now, in the time of the New Testament, it has been revealed. And that plan is that through his son, Jesus Christ, he will redeem the world, not only Jews who out throughout history to this point have been his chosen people, but he'll bring Jews and Gentiles together in the church, and that is his mysterious plan to redeem the world that God is going to include us 
that he's not just a God of Israel, he's the God of the world. And so the next verse says this plan that had been hidden for generations, for ages, and now is revealed, verse 10, his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God's plan, this says, centers in the church. God can act in our world in any way he wants. He can act through government. He can act through culture. But do you know how he primarily acts? God has chosen to work in our world through the church. His intent is that now, through the church, he'll make known his manifold wisdom. You want your life to count for eternity? Young people, are you searching for what you ought to do with your life? You invest your life in the church because it is the centerpiece of God's plan for the universe. And it is central to what he's doing. And nothing that you will ever do with your life will be ever be more important than what you do with him through the church. Now it says that his intent was that now through the church he would make known his manifold wisdom to the principalities and powers or uh, to the uh, rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What's that talking about? I think that's talking about angels and demons. He's revealing through the church, he's displaying his wisdom to angels and demons. Rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms are two words that refer to angels. They're also in scripture two different ranks or orders. We don't know much about the angelic world or the demonic world, but apparently there are different types of angels, different ranks or categories of angels, and rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms are angels. And then, this, as I say, this is also used to, in Scripture to refer to fallen angels or demons. And so the, the spiritual world is watching the church because they know this is how God is accomplishing his work of redemption and remaking the world. CNN is not watching the church. You don't get watch the news and, oh, today we want to report from so-and-so church and they gathered. For, nobody's, they're not telling about that on the news, are they? It's not central to their worldview. But I'm saying to you in the cosmic worldview of heavenly powers, they are watching the church because they know this is where God is changing the world and redeeming it. And so it's central to their view and he's making it known to those fallen demons, my wisdom it's beyond your comprehension, and through the fallible church, I'm going to bring Jews and non-Jews and all other kind of disparate races and ethnicities together, and I'm going to mold a people that love me and follow me, and I'm going to redeem the world through them. That's why we believe in the church. Let me show you in the book of Ephesians three images of the church that show its importance to God. Three word pictures or symbols, comparisons of what the church is. Number one, the church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Let me read to you Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. It says, God placed all things under his feet. His is Jesus. God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So here the first word picture is the church is the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. And so um, 
my head sort of loves my body, you know? You know, I, I care about my body. Christ cares about the church in the same way that you care about your physical body. It is his body. He has ascended to heaven and on earth. It is the hands and the feet of Jesus. He fills everything and he's filling through the church his body. The second word picture in the book of Ephesians about what the church is, the church is the building of Christ. The building of Christ. Look at Ephesians 2, 20 through 22 built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So we're comparing the church to a building. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the central one. The apostles and prophets who have written the Old and New Testament, the church is built on Jesus. The church is built on the foundation of the word of God, the Bible. And then it says, verse 21, in him, in Jesus The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And so the particular type of building the church is, it's the temple. In the Old Testament, there was a physical building where God put his presence. Now in the New Covenant, there is a people in whom God has put his presence. You are the temple of God. We've talked about these physical buildings that we've built. They're important. They're important tools and strategies to help us gather people in small groups and in ministries and in worship. But I want you to know you're the real building. You're the building of God. You're founded on Jesus as the cornerstone, built on the word of God. You're the building. You're rising to become a holy temple. Verse 22 says, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. Why do I believe in the church? Because it is in the body of Christ that he lives by his Spirit. Let me share a third picture, word picture in Ephesians about the importance of the church to Jesus. The church is the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. Look at Ephesians 5, 25 and following. Husbands, love your wives. That's a good word right there. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What does the phrase and gave himself up for her refer to? It refers to his death on the cross. He showed that he loved the church because he died for us and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. A lot of people talk about the church and all of its flaws and hypocrites and scandals. and They're terrible. There's no excuse. We ought to be holy like Jesus. But let me say to you, yes, the church is not perfect, but it's becoming perfect. He's washing it with water of the word. He's working in an imperfect church. And one day when he comes again, he will come like a bridegroom coming for his bride. And the next verse, verse 27 says, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. I would say to you, yes, the church is not perfect, but it will be one day. When Jesus comes for it, it will be dressed in white, it will be pure, it will be the bride for whom the bridegroom is coming. I want to be a part of the bride because the bridegroom's coming for the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. These three word pictures all express 
connection. They all express the connection of the church. Think about it. Church is the body of Christ. I like for my body parts to all be connected. Don't you? Don't you generally like your head to be connected to your body and your arms to be connected to your... I like that, don't you? There's a connection there, isn't there? You need to be connected to Jesus. You need to be connected to one another. That's connection. Second image, the building. I like for my, the walls of my house to be connected to my foundation, don't you? And I like for the walls to be connected to one another, don't you? And there's that connection. The whole building is rising together to become a temple. You need to be built on the foundation of the word of God, on the cornerstone of Jesus. And you need to be connected to one another in a church. And then third, certainly there's a connection between a bridegroom and a bride, isn't there? The most intimate and holy of human connections is that connection. And Jesus is connected to his church. He loves the church and gave himself for her. And so you need to be connected to a church. You don't need to be a part of that 53% of Americans who claim no church membership. You need to be connected. Uh, and so what a great day for you to join the church. We emphasize church membership. It's so that you can vote, so that you can serve, so that you're held accountable. You need to be connected to a church member. We're just like a car dealership. John Roberts Toyota loves for you to come and look, but they want you to buy. We love for you to come and look, but what we really want is for you to buy in, become a part of this, join your life to the building, the bride, the body of Christ. So what a great day for you to join the church today. Meet me at the Welcome Center right after the closing prayer, and, and you have, here's what you have to do to join. You have to confess that you have repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and you have to be baptized by immersion as a sign of that. If you've done those two things, we'll receive you. If you will do those two things, we'll receive you. That's as simple as it is. You need to be a part of a church because it is the body and the building and the bride of Christ. Let's look at that um, image of Newsweek one more time. Image of Newsweek magazine, forget the church, follow Jesus. Let me tell you something interesting. This is the April 2012 cover of Newsweek magazine. Have you seen a Newsweek magazine lately? The last one that was printed was in December of 2012. The magazine that said you could forget the church is gone. The church of Jesus Christ is still alive. And it will be because it's built on the foundation of him who said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe in the church for all of its flaws. It is the body and the building and the bride of Christ. It is the centerpiece of his plan of how he is redeeming the world and angels and demons are watching to see the manifold wisdom of God through his church. Today, in this significant day in the life of our church, would you recommit yourself to First Baptist Church? Would you say, you know, it's going, to be, it's going to be a center of my life because it's the center of, of God's plan. Maybe you've not been as involved. Maybe you need to join today. Maybe you're brand new and you say, you know, uh, we, somebody stands up here and does this 20 years from now. I, I want to be a, been a part of that. It will be some of the best way I've invested my money and my time and my service to be a part of God's church.
Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you for First Baptist Church. Thank you for Trinity Baptist Church and Encounter Life and First Baptist Tullahoma and for the Churches of Christ here and First United Methodist. Thank you for your local churches. They're not perfect. But oh God, help us to be washed with the water of your word week in and week out that we might display to the world your grand plan of redemption. Bless this church, I pray. Build this church, I pray. May more and more people come from headed to hell to headed to heaven and find joy and peace and fullness in their homes because of your church. So I pray you bless our leaders, our staff, our deacons. Bless every teacher. Lord, help us to be your lighthouse in this community. If you tarry, you're coming for another 22 years and beyond today draw people into a connection help them to buck the trend of our culture and say i will be connected to a local church i pray these things in the name of jesus amen will you stand with us i want to sing this blessing that's right from the bible the lord bless you and keep you make his face to shine upon you and be gracious let's sing together Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And the church sang amen.
children and their children may his favor be upon you and the thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he's with you with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing, is for you, 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 is for you. What a great morning of celebration and a reminder of what we're in this for. Let's give another round of applause. It's great to be a, a part of God's church here at First Baptist. I'm very grateful to be a part of this now with you guys. I want to encourage you. We're talking about connection. Go get involved in connection group this morning. If you haven't been, been to one, I know some of y'all are coming back uh, after uh, months and uh, being away. Uh, get involved in a connection group. If you need help with that, you can go to the Welcome Center and uh, get connected there. Uh, I want to remind you that you can give by dropping your offerings in those boxes as you head out. Uh, thank you for your giving through the years and what you're going to give today. And I uh, want to point you, just look in your bulletin there to see what's going on. Uh, we've got some uh, classes going on Wednesday night. Um, I'm starting a class where we're going to be um, just kind of digging deeper. It's called further discussion into what we've talked about in the message. So we're going to spend some time talking about in more detail about what Dr. Cox has preached this morning and uh, get into that and pray for one another. And that's going to be happening on Wednesday with some other things. So check all this out. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, again, we give you praise and thanks for uh, just the ways that you've blessed many people through this church. Thank you for the plan that you have um, put in place with your church, that the, the redeeming sacrifice that you made through Jesus Christ the gift of the Holy Spirit empowering us as your people, as the temple of God, that we can share your love throughout the nations and in our community. God, help us continue to do that. Help us to remember why we're in this and what we're doing it for, for your glory, for your praise, for your kingdom to grow. So continue to do that. Help us to have a great morning in this time here. Help us to go out and share your love with everyone 
around us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.